Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. The great architect Le Corbusier once called the George Washington Bridge the most beautiful bridge in the world. It's also the busiest bridge in the world. Michael Aaron Rockland published the George Washington Bridge Poetry in Steel, uh, the first book on this great structure a dozen years ago, and he's recently revised and expanded it for a new edition from Rutgers University Press. I'm very pleased that Mr. Rockland, who's a professor of American Studies at Rutgers, uh, could join us today on our show. Welcome. Oh, please. Thank you. Great to be here, Leonard. Has so much happened over the past 12 years that you and Rutgers Press felt it was necessary to return to this subject? Well, the big thing, of course, was Bridgegate in 2013. Which we'll talk about later. Sure, yeah. And and there were a number of other things uh, as as well. What about 9-11, which took place far to the south? Did that um, have any impact? Only in the sense that, uh, not on the book, but only in the sense that security became a big deal on the bridge after that. Um, and, um, and it had a lot to do with how I wrote the book. That is, uh, I was being observed at all times. Uh, and even though it had been improved as I hung out on the bridge. So it says no loitering on the bridge. I was loitering on the bridge. <laughs> so so uh, uh, that was really the main effect of 9-11 on writing, writing the book. Who designed the bridge? Well, uh, Asma Amen was a Swiss immigrant, and uh, he lived uh, in uh, Boonton, New Jersey for 40 years, and I visited his house. There's no sign in front of it, yeah. and there really ought to be because this guy built all the bridges. But he, he designed six of Greater New York's major bridges, including the Verrazano. Absolutely. And also the first tube, you point out, of the Lincoln Tunnel in 1937. Yeah. And yet, uh, his, I suspect that Almost anyone listening to the show is unfamiliar with his name. Uh, I was certainly unfamiliar with his name uh, when I began to find out about the bridge. I I Googled uh, his last name, Amon, but I put in an extra letter. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading about Amon Jordan, <laughs> and I thought, what the heck does that have to do with the George Washington Bridge? So, I recovered. <laughs> and you write that he's the most important designer and bridge builder of the 20th century? I, yeah, uh, I'd say so. He also consulted on the, on the, uh, the Golden Gate, so he yeah. was really important during his lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, was he the logical choice to design the George Washington Bridge? Well, he was a young man then, and uh, he had been working for another immigrant, Gustav Lindenthal, and Lindenthal had a totally different idea, which was to put a huge bridge, much bigger even than the George, because carrying cars and trains, et cetera, right into midtown Manhattan. On 57th Street. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That would have caused a traffic jam. <laughs> that would have been the traffic jam. Biggest one in history. Perhaps. So, uh, so uh, that didn't happen because uh, uh, people realized that it would really be a problem. On the other hand, isn't the the river a little narrower at that point? A little bit, uh, but not not a lot. And also, uh, where the George is on the Manhattan side, there's a uh, peninsula, really, sticking out from Manhattan. 
So they were able to put the New York Tower right on Manhattan. It's right anchored to the stone of Manhattan. So right at that particular point, it is narrow. Now, the the Hudson River uh, uh, is narrow in some other places as well. Didn't he propose putting the bridge in some other places? Or or was that uh, uh, Lindenthal? That was Lindenthal. No, uh, uh, Amon, right from the beginning, was saying we should put this thing uptown and and, uh, make it possible that you can get across the bridge and that you could cross Manhattan, that that if you'd put it in— the center of town, it would have been, a, really would have been a disaster. Is it significant that the George Washington Bridge is a suspension bridge with two towers? Yeah, I, I love the whole suspension bridge idea. Uh, for me, it's very much like a clothesline. If you put two poles in the ground and a rope between them and you hung wash off there, wet wash, mm-hmm. that would be the... Love the two levels of the bridge, okay? But then, of course, you'd need to stake it. If you didn't stake those two poles, then they would collapse inward. And that's exactly what the Georgia is because it, instead, it, it on both ends, those huge cables go into anchorages on the Jersey side into the Palisades. So they already had a great place. And on the New York side, they built a mountain out of concrete for the anchorage, uh, for the anchorage of the bridge on that side, not without some problems, which we will also get into. Sure, but you you say the towers of the GWB, you call it the George, are unique. What makes them different from the towers of of other bridges in the world? Well, the wonderful thing is that the George Washington Bridge was never finished, and here we are, eighty nine years later. Amon's plan was to build a big Brooklyn bridge. He he was consciously in competition with the Brooklyn. And they and remain the in competition. And they did, although he did use Roebling wire uh, for, for the cabling. Uh, but he, he uh, wanted, uh, in fact, uh, uh, the same fellow who designed our Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, Cass Gilbert, um, uh, designed the bridge, the exterior of the bridge, the cosmetics of the bridge, with envelopes of concrete around each tower faced with granite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and then it was 1931, there was no money. Franklin Roosevelt was the uh, governor of New York, Harry Moore in, in, in New Jersey, and uh, and Roosevelt simply asked, uh, "Is it usable?" And I said, "Yeah, it's usable, but it's not finished." He said, well, what's not finished about it? Well, we have to pretty it up. Well, in not prettying up, it became this great icon for me, anyway, of of modernism, and especially it it's really deco architecture. Hmm. But you you aren't supposed to see any of that. But didn't the uh Makers of erector sets put a picture of a father and, and son working on a replica of the bridge on the boxes. So it really grabbed the public's imagination. Yeah, my, my father and I uh, uh, tried to build one of those towers that was on the cover of the erector set. Uh, we failed. 
uh, maybe I wrote the book because I had to make up. <laughs> the fact that we, couldn't, we couldn't build a tower. <laughs> now, what would it have looked like if it had followed the original plan? Well, it would it would have looked as if the t- as if the towers uh, were made of stone. If you look at the Brooklyn, they are masonry uh, towers all the way up, stones on top mm-hmm. of stones, and that's what Amon had in mind in terms of uh, building it. And at the inauguration of the bridge in 1931, uh, he was really sad. He 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 felt his beautiful bridge had not been built. It took him years until well. When he began to get comments from people like Le Corbusier or Mies van der Rohe, Mies van der Rohe went further than Le Corbusier. He called it the most beautiful structure in the greater New York area. Oh, wow. And now Armand was listening to them and saying, well, maybe, maybe it's okay the way it is. I'm, I won't mess around with it. On the other hand, uh, many people have called the Brooklyn Bridge the most beautiful in the world. So there's been a rivalry between the two. Yeah, and that rivalry parallels the New York-New Jersey rivalry. And um, the Brooklyn, after all, is 48 years older, and it has these lovely Gothic architecture. And played played a major role in integrating the boroughs. It did, yeah, and I think— Because it was hard to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan until the Brooklyn Bridge was built. Sure. And we got to remember that Brooklyn was a separate city yeah. until that bridge was was built. So there's a lot of sentimental feeling here here in New York and the media capital of the world for the Brooklyn Bridge, to the exception of the George. And people just don't pay attention to the George, which is why when I came to write this book, I first I wanted to read a book about the George and discovered. There were about, in my own public library, there were about 10 different books on the Brooklyn and not a one on the George. But we have these two great architects being very modest and not citing their own buildings as the the most beautiful buildings in New York. You point out that like the Brooklyn Bridge, the GWB has had a symbiotic relationship with the arts, the movies, uh, theater, television, visual arts, even music. Yes, uh, um, but at the same time, uh, ten times more, at least, on the Brooklyn than on the George. There's there's a certain prejudice against the George, which is similar to the prejudice against New Jersey. Uh, I attended a symposium at Columbia University uh, on American icons, and they were going on and on about the Brooklyn long before writing the book. And finally, I said, well, what about the George Washington Bridge? And somebody said, oh, no, look where it goes. <laughs> and, of course, they meant New Jersey, but also it goes to San Francisco. Yeah, it's the gateway to the west <laughs> and is. also to the north. Sure. Uh, and, it, in fact, it uh, goes right into Rockland County, and your name is Rockland. I'm they not were sure. very nice <laughs> to name that county after me. <laughs> So, and your book is filled with archival photos from the late 1920s when the bridge was being built through the present, including one of it draped with an enormous flag after 9-11. So it it 
has had symbolic meanings for people as well. Yes, that's the largest free-flying American flag that exists. Mm. Oh. Uh, and, and you think, how is this possible? It's cloth, but it weighs 450 pounds. And it takes 14 engineers to get that thing to come down from the west or New Jersey Tower and it takes four, the same 14 to put it back up. And they can't put it down unless there's winds below 15 miles an hour. Mm. Or the thing would just get wrapped around everything and torn to pieces, really. I mentioned that it's become part of the global popular culture through movies. We'll talk a bit about movies in a moment. Television shows, songs, novels. There's even a PlayStation 2 game based on, on the George Washington Bridge? Oh, uh, there may very well be. You don't know I'm, about I'm that. I'm afraid well, this is something I left out of You're not book. into PlayStations, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm and, afraid and, I have a prejudice in that regard. <laughs> and George Schumann wrote a symphonic piece named uh, for it. Yes, and yes, indeed. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's been performed by a lot of, uh, recorded quite a bit. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm glad because for me it's, it is the most beautiful bridge in the world. Maybe I'm just copying. Well, I'm, I'm not ready to say any one is the most beautiful. It's one yeah. of it, and a couple of others are beautiful. I like the Golden Gate too. Yeah, but well, we're talking about only American bridges. Uh, aren't sure. there any beautiful bridges in Europe? Well, yeah, there, there are Roman bridges uh, <laughs> uh, still in Europe. Some of them uh, still uh, in use, but they the, don't look like erector sets. Right. The George is unique in the sense that it was built as it is, so strong, uh, so strongly, and uh, uh, and so very much uh, a deco, although that isn't what he had in mind. He wasn't thinking, I'm, I'm building a deco bridge here because he was going to cover it up, cover up the towers. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a great monument to the whole deco tradition, but that happened inadvertently. What about the lights? Uh, were, were, was it planned uh, that there would be as many lights? Because one of the the great uh, visual experiences is coming uh, up the West Side Highway sure. and seeing that lit up bridge at night. Yeah, and it has two sets of lights. For many years, it had rows of lights on the outside cables of the four cables, cables A and D, uh, A, B, C, D. Um, and uh, but it was only uh, in the year 2000 for the millennium that they put interior lights, and that's what makes the bridge really so beautiful at night now. Not just the ones mm -hmm. on the cable, but the, but that the towers themselves are illuminated from within. I'm speaking to uh, Michael Aaron Rockland. His book, one of many that he's written. Uh, this one revised and expanded from the 2008 edition, the George Washington Bridge Poetry in Steel from Rutgers University Press. They started making movies uh, inspired by the bridge fairly early, including and some pretty great ones like yeah. Howard Hawks's great screwball comedy, Ball of Fire, takes place on both the New York and New Jersey sides of the bridge. Mm. And that was made how long after... Uh, the uh, the bridge was inaugurated in 1931? Um, 
Perhaps you have the date. Yeah, I think I it's don't. a year later or two. Yeah. There, there, um, there are a whole bunch of others that you mentioned in the book. Yeah, but a tiny fraction of the f- movies, uh, television shows, and the immense number of commercials which take place on on the Brooklyn Bridge. And I, and I obviously think this is a mistake because uh, the George, to me, is much more impressive uh, and 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 very beautiful. We, we well, I've we, done a show on the Brooklyn Bridge. I I, I think it's a gorgeous bridge. Yeah. I'm not ready to pick. <laughs> I think they're both wonderful. They're, you know, just like they two are. two yeah. people can be attractive in different ways. Sure. I, all I'm <laughs> asking is for equality here. Right. And uh, I don't want to say so and so is the most beautiful woman and or the or the handsomest man, man in the world. <laughs> Even if de, Le Corbusier thinks. Sure. No, I'll settle for even treatment, and it it doesn't get even treatment. Um, Part of the reason is steel, and that's that explains my subtitle, poetry in steel, um, that we somehow don't identify steel as a material that can be used to make something beautiful, and yet I think the George is very beautiful, and it's all steel. And you say that the towers of the George Washington Bridge are unique. What, what makes them different from the towers of every other bridge in the world? Well, all the other bridges, first of all, uh, are not built as strongly. And in case of of the uh, his consulting on the Golden Gate, they were going to put a second level on the Golden Gate, as there is on the George. Mm-hmm. And having built the George, knowing that at least one other level was going to be put on it, uh, he made the towers that strong, and he said if there was a second level on the Golden Gate, the whole thing would fall apart. So uh, um, the, the question of of uh, uh, strength, it was built to be immensely strong, uh, not only to hold the concrete and, and granite that would face the towers, but to hold up at least a second Level. In fact, engineers tell me that it is so strong you could put a third level hmm. on the George. I don't think it's ever going to happen because the approaches would have to knock down a big hunk of Fort Lee and a big hunk of Manhattan to make that happen. There's, there's no preparation for it, so I, I don't think it's going to happen. But but it would ease the, the traffic a bit on the sort. bridge. I'm sorry? It would ease some of the traffic on the bridge. Right. Well, the traffic on the bridge uh, uh, hardly matters in terms of the total weight. They, uh, the uh, folks at the bridge refer to that as uh, something inconsequential, like a fly on an elephant is the way they describe it. The traffic uh, is not a... Big deal. Well, some bridges you feel a little vibration, not the George Washington Bridge. Oh, no. I think in the summertime, going across the bridge, certainly I've had this experience. If you're stuck in traffic, you feel it going up and down. You think there's something the matter with your car. Um, and what it is is steel expands and contracts. And so you're not feeling that in the winter because the steel has all contracted uh, as tight as it'll go. But in the summer, the stringer 
cables which are coming down from the big cable. They're bolted to the big cable. And they're, they're holding up the upper level. And by the way, the, the, the lower level has no cabling at all. It's just attached to the upper level. So it's uh, immensely strong. Uh, and uh, well, here it is at 89 years. And we've had to build a new Tappan Zee, a new Gothels, and other plans to build uh, new bridges in the New York area. The George is uh, uh, probably good for another 125 years. How many vehicles cross it on a typical day? Well, about two and a half million. A typical well, day? No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Two and a half million Per week, per week, oh, about well. 106 per year. 106 million per year. Per year, yes. Yeah, and, 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 and that's, that's why busy. traffic is so often slow, despite the fact that the bridge has those two decks and 14 lanes. Yes, and it, uh, it, 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 there's no reason why it can't have 16 lanes. That is, on the lower level, only six of the eight lanes are paved. The two central lanes are not done. And, and why is that? There are eight lanes on the upper deck and it's only six yeah. available on the lower deck? On the it's lower? really a reflection of what happened with the upper deck in the beginning also. When, when they inaugurated it, they had six lanes on the upper deck and the two middle ones, they thought it'll be 100 years before we'll have that much traffic, so why bother paving them? Well, they pretty soon learned that they needed to. And on the lower and, and level... They, and they can't pave them now? They could. They could indeed. They, they, uh, uh, um, the, the, uh, the reason it, w it was left as, as it is is because Amon had some notion about public transportation being used, tr a train that would go across the bridge. That never uh, ca came about. Um, so, yes, uh, I've spoken to the folks there. Well, why don't you pave the two mm -hmm. uh, lanes on the bottom that, that aren't paved? I said, the problem is traffic. Tra not on the bridge, but um, emerging from the bridge. Before the Cross Bronx Expressway was built, when you got off, you got on the Harlem River Drive. But once that was built... And anybody who's been on the Cross Bronx Expressway knows it's kind of a nightmare of traffic now. Two more lanes would give it <laughs> even more traffic. So I suspect someday, yes, it will be paved. But I think part of that will have to be allowing for more traffic emerging from the bridge in New York City. How does uh, the, the uh, traffic compare to... The, the two main tunnels, the Holland and the, the Lincoln Tunnel, uh, we, which are much more conveniently located. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, there are people like myself, for example, when I'm coming into the city, I, uh, even if one of the tunnels was more, uh, was, was going to take me where I wanted to go more quickly, I, I take the bridge anyway, not just because I wrote a book about it, but, but I, I, I like bridges. I don't like tunnels. <laughs> a lot of people don't like tunnels. And if you were to add the Lincoln and the Holland together, together, they wouldn't equal 50% of the George, wow. the two of them. 
So uh, is, is this just because people are making aesthetic decisions, or because of ultimately uh, the the convenience of going all over it, or because one of the most wonderful things is coming across that bridge sure. and looking south and seeing the the Manhattan skyline. Yes, it is. Yes, and, and then looking the other way and seeing the Palisades, even yes. though the amusement park is no longer there. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the old days when you would see the Ferris wheel going around and sure. the roller coaster. Yeah, well, and uh, the first of all, the capacity of the tunnels is much less, mm-hmm. even if more people went, went in them. But I think there are a lot of people who don't like tunnels. Uh, tunnels burrow as. Uh, somebody I quoted in the book said, uh, when you go across the George, you feel like you're flying. But when you go through one of the tunnels, you feel like you're burrowing. And I think uh, uh, there's a wonderful feel. I, for example, I... I, I but but we take the subway. Yes, I, I, I guess so. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have any choice in, in, in that regard. And, and you're not thinking you have any alternative. There uh, with regard to the subway. Uh, one thing, by the way, about traffic that's uh, on the bridge, which is uh, noteworthy, I think, is that, and you asked about 9-11 before, uh, is that since 9-11, all buses, trucks, any vehicle of any size must take the upper deck. And that's because if one of those things was being driven by a terrorist on the lower level, the tunnel effect mm-hmm. of of between the two levels would take the would possibly take the bridge down, whereas on the upper level it would do some damage, but most of the explosion would go off into the air. Millions of people also walk, jog, bike, skate across it. Uh, some people park in Fort Lee and and walk across the bridge, uh, but they don't do it the other way because it's harder to to park in New York City. Yes, uh, um, uh, and I've done this and, and encouraged uh, my students and friends uh, to do this. Uh, a great way, let's say, if you live in New Jersey, to come into New York City and go out to dinner and maybe go to a Broadway show would be to go to Fort Lee, park for $5, that's all it costs, uh, in the big parking lot there, and then have the adventure of walking across the bridge. And then when you get across the bridge, getting on the A train, which is just downstairs, and, uh, and then doing that in reverse on, on, on the way out. And a lot of people do that for the fun of that adventure. It's also something of a popular tourist attraction. Well, yes. Uh, uh, I'm afraid some of that tourism, though, is... Uh, is not to be uh, celebrated. That is, there are people who kill themselves, uh, jump off the bridge. Uh, it's all it, suicide tour, tourism is what can that be cut down it. on? Yes, and it's being cut down now as we speak. Uh, they on the there were two walkways, the south and the north. The north is now completely closed because it they are changing all of the stringer cables that have been up there for 89 years, one by one. Those are the, those are the cables that, that descend and hold up the The ones that levels. they got originally from Roebling, you said. Yes, absolutely. That's where the, who the built the Brooklyn Bridge. From. Yes. Uh, 
So Roebling, uh, though though Amon was jealous of Roebling, Roebling, the Roebling Company anyway, which is in a little town in New Jersey called Roebling, uh, was involved in the building of the There's bridge. also Roebling Street and in Williamsburg. I didn't know that. Yeah, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Huh. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the Roebling family. Uh, That's because and, of the Williamsburg and, Bridge. Sure, the Williamsburg Bridge, and 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 also the the Roeblings are were, were heroes. Uh, the, the father uh, is standing on the dock uh, where uh, uh, when they're starting to build a bridge, and uh, a boat came in and hit his foot, and he dies of tetanus. Then his son goes down into one of the caissons and gets the bends, <laughs> and uh, is is sick the rest of his life. He had fought in the Civil War. And uh, they were immigrants, but he'd fought the Civil War. And from that point on, he's directing the building of the bridge from an apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah, we're talking about the Brooklyn sending Bridge. His wife, yeah. sending his wife with instructions to the workers building the Brooklyn Bridge. And didn't you scale one of its the, the George's uh, Towers on a cable? Yes, I did. Uh, and it wasn't intentional, which... Makes it a better story, I think, in some ways. You weren't uh, thinking of jumping off. No, I wasn't thinking of jumping off. I wasn't thinking of climbing it either. Um, <laughs> but isn't I, there an elevator? There's an elevator in, in, in both towers. Uh, I didn't know a, that until ex- I read your book. Yeah, I didn't know it until I was in the elevator. You can't really see the elevator. But, but the workmen are using them all the time. And that elevator, uh, I, I went in the elevator in the west or New Jersey Tower to the top. But I also went down to the bottom, and the Jersey Tower is out in the Hudson River. That is, you couldn't build it in New Jersey because of the Palisades. They're in the way. So they had to build uh, uh, a a, a, um, platform 100 by 90 feet, an enormous concrete platform, uh, uh, to put that tower on. Well, I'd been to the top as I say, and now I wanted to get to the top of the East Tower, too. And I said to the people running the bridge, can you take me up there, too? And they said, well, they're both the same. Uh, uh, You don't have to do that. I said, well, even if they are the same, I have to experience them and be able to say that. Well, it turned out they're not both the same. There's some wonderful differences uh, between them. So when they finally arranged, I thought, to take me up in the elevator of the East Tower, I arrived, and there were four policemen waiting for me. And these weren't regular policemen. These these were part of uh, the guys who protect the President of the United States when that person comes to the New York area, emergency service unit police. And they said, are you ready, Mr. Rockland? I said, Sure, but I, I, don't, I don't need four policemen to go up in the elevator. They said, well, you, uh, you're going up, right? I said, yeah, well, I'm going up. And they went into Manhattan and turned around, stopping. The way to turn around is in one of those places where you and I can't cut through, but they cut through, and then they held up all the traffic coming out of Manhattan mm. for a few moments while we went. And we didn't park by the tower. We parked by the cables going down in the anchorage. And I still didn't get it. I, and then they started to put all sorts of equipment on me. 
And I kept thinking, I don't need this stuff. I, uh, why are you guys doing this? Uh, uh, and I said, oh, you, you need it. You need it. Didn't you want to go up there? Yeah, sure, I wanted to go up there. Well, it wasn't until we were on the cable, one of the big ca cables, cable C, C better than D because D has lights on it. C, there's no lights, even though it's pretty doggone difficult because it's round to walk on. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're climbing. How wide is it? Oh, I'd say the 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 cable is a diameter of maybe a, uh, two and a half feet, something mm -hmm. like that. And, and and I'm I'm walking on the cable, and the sergeant uh, behind me says, uh, "You okay?" I said, uh, "Sure, yeah, 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 I'm okay." Uh, I still didn't get it. I, 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 that we were going up. He said, "Cause, it, cause if at any point you're freaking out, we'll turn around." And I'm thinking, I don't want to turn around on this thing. You have to unhook to turn around. As it is, when you're going up, you, you have this equipment on, and you have ropes going out each side of you, and they are clipped onto little thin cables, which are uh, running at waist height along the cable and uh, along the big cable. And everything's okay until every 50 feet or so, you have to unhook because <laughs> there are stanchions which are holding that little cable. And so you have to unhook and put your clamps on the other side of the stanchions. That was the creepy part. Michael, if I was ever tempted to do this, <laughs> you've talked me out of it. But anybody could do it, actually. I know that now, but I was terrified till I did it. <laughs> You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM. In case you uh, haven't figured out uh, the topic of today's show, it's the George Washington Bridge. It's also the title of Michael Aaron Rockland's latest book, uh, revised and expanded from its original edition in 2008, called The George Washington Bridge, Poetry and Steel, published by Rutgers University Press. Mr. Rockland is a, a prolific writer. Um, and a professor of American Studies at Rutgers University. You um, mentioned some of the, the, the suicides, but there have been also accidents at the bridge, uh, a number of accidents. Um, uh, how dangerous <laughs> has it been over the years? Well, my favorite, if you will, accident, a favorite because nobody was killed, was in an, when an airplane landed mm -hmm. on the bridge. These two fellows had taken off from Teterboro, and uh, just 1965, and they were just on a joyride uh, up in some little Piper Cub plane 
when they realized they were running out of gas, the reason they were running out of gas is because nobody had closed the gas tank. So it was with, spilling out. And it was just spilling out all over the place. Wow. And they, they, they thought of coming in on the water the way Sully Sullenberg would mm-hmm. do years later. But the, this was a plane with fixed wheels. And with fixed wheels, if you try to come in, you'd hit the water and you'd just go flipping all over and over. And so the guy who was flying thought, well, maybe I can come in over those big cables and land on the bridge itself. It was a Sunday, luckily, and there was very little traffic. And and, and the story I love is the story of the, of the truck driver who's going across <laughs> the bridge, and in his rearview mirror, he sees a plane coming up on him, and he speeds up as fast as he can, but it crashes into the back of him anyway. And the two young guys... Uh, they were well, on the, they, on they the had, westbound lane? The, yes. They just they, landed they, right they there? Landed on the westbound lane, got flipped around so that they were facing <laughs> east now, but... But uh, and they ended up uh, in the hospital just for a day, both with broken noses. So, so it wasn't a tragedy. On the other hand, uh, any number of people died in in building the bridge. Twelve men. Yes, on yes. both sides for on different reasons. Yeah, probably the most dramatic being um, on the west side, where they were building these structures in which into which they would pour concrete to make the platform for the New Jersey Tower or the West Tower. And luckily, there were only two men down. It was very early in the morning down in uh, the, one one of those uh, uh, structures. Uh, and the force of the Hudson uh, crumpled the, the steel at that point, and the Hudson rushed in and they drowned. The but um, isn't, aren't uh, isn't there a legend about some men being covered by cement? Sure. Uh, uh, as far as I know, are they th- still there? Is, uh, well, as far as I know, this is this is a legend, and and it isn't it is it isn't true. But for uh, somebody wrote a poem about it called "The Cemetery Bridge," uh, and alleged that the mob. Uh, this is where they would get rid of uh, when they would whack somebody. They would take their body there and throw them into the wet concrete, and then that the, and that the uh, the um, anchorage on the New York side, which is uh, human built, uh, uh, is full of bodies. But I, I don't think there's any truth to that. Well, the cemetery bridge isn't one of the names that was originally proposed. But before <laughs> they came up with the George Washington, what were some of the names? Uh, that were suggested? The Hudson uh, Bridge, the Paradise Bridge. Um, A confusing one would have been the Cleveland Bridge. Yeah. Named after Grover Cleveland? Yeah, it could have been because Grover Cleveland was born in New Jersey, though he later became governor of New York and then president of the United States. Um, Well, he covered both states. Sure. But, but and wasn't the Verrazano one of the names that was proposed? As it was, because uh, or so much earlier than when it was built. And again, that was um, Athma Amin's last bird, the Verrazano. Um, but um, yeah, uh, when it came to build the bridge, there was something historically really important about building it where it was. And ironically, if it had taken one more year and several million dollars more to build the bridge, which is would 
would have been what it cost to encase it in concrete and uh, face it in granite. Uh, it then would have opened in 32, and that would have been great because that would have been the anniversary of the birth of George Washington and calling it the George Washington Bridge. It would have made it more of a national event. Who, who funded the bridge? The, well, uh, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey had just recently been created. And this is before Robert Moses. Yes, before Robert Moses, uh, uh, and um, uh, it, uh, the Port Authority was created in about 1920, in 1927 as they were beginning to build the, the, uh, the bridge, uh, and, and, and they were finishing the, the Holland Tunnel then and starting on the Lincoln and realizing, gee, we've got a lot of problems here between these two states. We need an authority to deal with... Uh, the two states and their needs and their demands on each other. So it's a, so the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey is a, is a monster. Uh, first of all, the biggest uh, uh, port in the United States is actually uh, uh, the Port of New York, which is in New Jersey, mm-hmm. even though it's called the Port of New York. It, it's in Newark and well, New York used to have more shipping, but— It did. We've cut back on it. So it was initially it, the the bridge wasn't completed because of, of lack of funding, but isn't it now a great revenue producer because of tolls? Oh, yes, it, uh, and, and the tolls just went up another buck. I read in the paper the other day it's up to $16 if you, wow. if you don't have easy pass. But, but, but it's really eight because you're paying one way and you don't pay the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have uh, to go both ways to make that eight dollars. Yes, you do. Trying to uh, escape. <laughs> the, the bridge connects Manhattan's Upper West Side with New Jersey's Bergen County. Uh, what were those areas like before the bridge opened in 1931? I'm glad you asked that because Bergen County, which is today New Jersey's most populous uh, county, was then New Jersey's most agricultural. Mm-hmm. County. That's when the state was actually called the Garden State. When and it was it, a, that made some sense. It made sense then, yes, to call it the Garden State. And as a boy growing up uh, in New York City, I can remember very well horses and wagons of farmers crossing the George and coming into my neighborhood and 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 selling uh, fresh produce and eggs and milk and everything else. Uh, so uh, growing up as a boy in New York, yes, I thought of New Jersey as the country. I thought of it as uh, um, the farmland. Uh, uh, and, and, of course, Bergen County today is, is the most suburban, the most densely populated county in New Jersey. Well, I also learned from your book that New Jersey is not the not only the most densely populated state in the United States— but it's also more densely populated than uh, than India. Yes, yes. Uh, even I found that hard to believe. Uh, well, I'm, I would assume that its India. location is a factor. But <laughs> well, what it is is, is that if uh, we look at India, we think of places like Calcutta, where half the people are sleeping on the sidewalk and that sort of thing. Talk about homelessness, uh, but. 
a huge area of India to the north is there's nobody there at all as you get closer to the Himalayas and then into the Himalayas. And so vast millions and millions of of acres and and even square miles of India are, are not populated at all. So when you do the population of New Jersey into the uh, size of New Jersey, you come out with it being uh, more densely populated than India. Nobody wants to believe this. Even I don't want to believe it, but it's true. Well, but uh, people going over the bridge, you say the busiest bridge in the world, sure. many of them are crossing it not just to get into Bergen County or parts of New Jersey, but also to Rockland County, New York, and upstate New York. And, and sure. then if you want to travel west, it you, it's the only way to get into Pennsylvania from sure. the, from the uh, upper part of the town. Of, of uh, New York. It is indeed, and and uh, I have twice gone across country on Route 80, and Route 80 begins right there and goes all the way right into San Francisco. So you, you, you it's, it's, uh, so, so many people. Uh, yeah, uh, but you have to drive down that long Pennsylvania turnpike. It's the most boring road in the world. <laughs> oh, it gets, <laughs> it gets even more boring. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to Ohio, but oh really? Yes, Indiana, I'm afraid. But <laughs> now Fort Lee, uh, the the town on the New Jersey side of the bridge, was the site of a lot of activity during the Revolutionary War. It was indeed, and and uh, that's why uh, it's so appropriate that it's called the George Washington Bridge. George Washington is standing with his troops in 1776, looking across the river, where he's seeing the British taking over. Fort Washington, which was in Washington Heights. Mm -hmm. And he now knows he's got to hightail it out of there uh, because the British are then going to cross the Hudson, as he did, and chase after him. And so he he goes across New Jersey. And it's, it's interesting how we make so much about Washington's crossing when he comes across, when he comes back across from Pennsylvania. Um, but crossing the Hudson... And then going up the Palisades with an army was a heck of a lot more demanding. Course, and the British had a huge fleet in in the Hudson and the East River. They sure did. They sure did. And and uh, uh, and so he goes all the way across New Jersey with with the British in pursuit, and then gets across into Pennsylvania. And now the British wait for him on the New Jersey side, and then he knows that he's got to have a victory or two because we'd had nothing but losses. And that's when he goes just south of the British army, crosses and attacks the Hessians in Trenton, and we have a little victory. And then the British try to stop him there, but he goes around him again, and now he goes to Princeton, and we have another victory uh, over a smaller force, and this had everything to do with America staying in the war, because up till then, every battle had been a loss, and and it was pretty well assumed we're going to have to give this thing up until those two victories. Although we can come back to the rivalry with the Brooklyn Bridge, because the Battle of Brooklyn was a key battle in that war as well. Uh-huh. But... Uh, couldn't it have been called the Thomas Paine Bridge because he wrote some of his most 
famous lines when he was uh, when he was stationed in Fort Lee during the war. Yes, he did. Uh, uh, and uh, well, it could have been called all sorts of things. It, it could have. Uh, he was under uh, General Lee. Uh, it could have been called. Uh, uh, well, that, that, I'm sorry. That's why it's called Fort Lee. So it could have mm-hmm. the bridge could have been called General Lee Bridge or something. But the fact that Washington is there at the very spot where the bridge is on the Jersey side, looking across, and he's back there in 1781, at the very same place, prepared to cross the Hudson now and retake Manhattan uh, all these five years uh, later. So it's it's an amazingly uh, historic place, really, where the bridge is, and as I said, I, I, I think it's so appropriately named after George Washington, although one might think, gee, everything gets named after George Washington. Can't we find somebody else? But but uh, this, the bridge itself, I think, is, is particularly uh, appropriate that it be named after Washington. And, and, and there were a lot of people arguing for all sorts of other people, including Payne, including all sorts of people. Um, what were some of the lines that Payne came up with? Do you remember? Well, yeah, there's the, uh, these are the times with Trimen Souls and, and uh, the, summer, the summer uh, uh, victory, the, the, uh, whatever. Uh, but it was very much a pamphlet. A uh, hundred thousand of them were actually printed, and it had an immense uh, effect mm-hmm. on morale. Um, but of course, Payne had not really identified as an American, and he would go back to England. Uh, he was there as a supporter, but not really as an American. Well, he. Um, he had his critics because of some other aspects of his thinking. Sure, he loved religion. the French Revolution, for example, which was a bloody mess. <laughs> so, your uh, uh, my guest is Michael Aaron Rockland, and his book is the George Washington Bridge Poetry in Steel, just released by Rutgers University Press in a revised and expanded edition with uh, fabulous looking color cover and lots oh, of wonderful illustrations you. here archival of photos but also a whole bunch of things even a Barry Blitt cartoon oh yeah that that was uh, I, I love that thing uh, uh, I was able to get two cartoons uh, which I wanted so so badly for the book for the chapter on Bridgegate yeah that's how you end the book pretty much and the Barry Blitt uh, Cartoon. It was a cover of the New Yorker that uh, referred to what happened. And, well, sure. Uh, it it shows the traffic stopped on the bridge, it, which wasn't where it was actually stopped. It was stopped in Fort Lee, but and it shows uh, Governor Chris Christie um, as a little boy with short pants playing ball and on the bridge and holding uh, back the traffic. Uh, I I think I go out of my way in that chapter to argue that Chris Christie uh, really belongs in jail. Well, some uh, people have gone to jail because of it, haven't they? Or almost, or at least were found guilty of uh, some kind of criminal activity. The three people who were his people, uh, 
who did this uh, included uh, uh, one man, David Wildstein, uh, who told the truth. And he, he was the main perpetrator of, the, of the, the plot. The plot was to punish the mayor of Fort Lee, uh, Mark Sokolich, for not backing Chris Christie in his second try for governor. But wasn't the, the, the mayor a Democrat? He wasn't. And Chris Christie was a Republican. Right. And, and indeed, one so of the things I discovered is that, is that this wasn't the only case of Christie bringing pressure on Democratic uh, uh, mayors saying, uh, if you'll do such and such for me, you back me, I'll give your city such and such. It was really critical Quid in terms of Hoboken. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Quid. <laughs> Better than you. There was no quid pro quo. Well, <laughs> uh, he he won re-election anyway. But do you think that it damaged? Well, no, nobody his, knew anything about it. Do you really? think it damaged uh, his uh, ambitions for higher office? Well, at that time, no question about it, he was the leading Republican to get the nomination in 2016. Nobody imagined that Donald Trump would ever get the nomination. And Christie was the, uh, was not only governor of New Jersey, he was the head of the uh, Republican Governors Association. And indeed, in his second term, he spent 75% of it traveling around the country trying mm-hmm. to get people uh, to put him up for president. Everybody assumed he was going to get the nomination, actually. It was Bridgegate that destroyed him. And uh, he insists that he had nothing to do with the Bridgegate scandal. Yes. and, and You're a Jersey uh, resident. Uh, uh, I, I would say uh, maybe 10% of New Jerseyans uh, uh, do not think that Chris Christie was responsible for the whole thing. So I'm reporting on what most people in New Jersey uh, feel. Um, well, it was I, six years ago, but has uh, the litigation, uh, doesn't it still continue? Yes, it's amazing. Uh, it, was, it was considered a federal crime, so it was tried in Newark in the federal court. He, the lawyers, and by the way, the main perpetrator told the truth and just got off with a slap on the wrist. Bridget Kelly and Bill Baroni uh, kept insisting that uh, they were innocent and um, they were tried and sentenced, and then their lawyers uh, appealed to the appellate division of the U.S. courts, which is in Philadelphia, the nearest one. And there, seven of the nine charges against them were, inf- were affirmed. I thought, that's it. And then, believe it or not, their lawyers then appealed to the Supreme Court. And I thought the Supreme Court was not going to hear this case. Well, it's on their docket for next week, <laughs> uh, January 14th. Now, whether this will happen then or whether they'll actually hear it or not, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Baroni actually had given up and went to jail uh, to, uh, uh, and was in jail for three months mm-hmm. when— uh, 
the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case so that he came out of jail, but he's already done three months of whatever sentence he may still have. Uh, who knows? I, We're pretty much out of time, but I just want to ask you something about your own work habits. I've heard that you have, as a habit, tended to work on two books at the same time, usually one nonfiction and the other fiction. So uh, do you uh, work with split brain? Uh, well, I, I, I always joke that it helps if you're schizophrenic. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've done this three times now. The first time was a fluke. The second and third intentionally. Um, so while working on this book, I was writing a novel. People, how do you do that? And I find it relaxing. Can a novel be as exciting as Bridgegate? Can it be as what? As, as, That's exciting. It's complicated a plot. Well, the novel I have coming out, uh, the title sounds exciting. It's called Married to Hitler. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll have to see what the public uh, thinks of it. It'll be out in September. But really what it does is I've learned this, uh, and, and I apply it in other areas of my life as well. If I work on one thing, I'm uptight. If I'm working on two or more things, I'm relaxed. Uh, I recommend it. I don't know. It works for me uh, because all of my eggs are not in one basket. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sort of relaxed. Well, if this isn't working today, I'll work on the other one, you know. And it, it really works for me uh, uh, and, and uh, would work for other people as well, perhaps. I, I recommend it anyway. Well, it's been great talking with you, Michael Aaron Rockland. His uh, latest, the revised and expanded version of his book from 2008 called The George Washington Bridge, Poetry and Steel, published by Rutgers University Press. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Special thanks to Kevin O'Donohue and Asima Dimar of the Positive Mind Center for allowing us to use their first-rate studio facilities. If, if you're new to our show and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as an iTunes podcast. And don't forget to check out Leonard Lopate at Large on Facebook and Twitter and our website, LeonardLopateAtLarge.com, where you can find links to all of our past shows. We have something really exciting coming up for you tomorrow, live performances by Delphio Marsalis and his group. Uh, that should be extraordinary. Our first chance to use the new studios, uh, our expanded studios in Brooklyn. And a reminder that uh, we always invite you to support WBAI. Think about becoming a buddy. See you tomorrow. <laughs>